Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Before we pray and start, I just wanted to introduce Therese Holderbaum. Um, thank you. First of all, thank you, Father John, for introducing me. And uh, I'm so excited to be here tonight. This is such an incredible topic. And I have a great love for the angels. And I'm going to share that with you tonight in a very enthusiastic way, um, only because that's just who I am. But uh, I want to welcome all of you. I think you're probably coming from St. Basil's Parish mostly, but we also have visitors with us and friends, and I'm glad that you brought them. So we're going to start always with prayer like we did with um, Father John led us in that. But I just want to close my eyes for a moment before we start and just pray out loud, and then I'll get started. Lord God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be your assistant. To I thank you for using my hands and my voice and my heart to lead others to you. And I ask that you watch over me and help me to speak the truth tonight. Uh, thank you for all of my blessings and thank you for these wonderful people who came. I prayed to their guardian angels and asked them to bring them tonight and I see they listened very well. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I talk about the angels, I always, always start with gratitude. Because they are such a great gift to us. And I just think it's amazing that God would send his princes to guard us, to guide us, to lead us all through our lives. And that's an incredible gift. So God, who is the creator of the whole entire universe, cared enough about each and every one of us to personally create an angel specific to what we would need to help us on our journey while we're here on earth. Because this is our temporary place. This is not where we are called to be. We're called to be in heaven with him. So God is perfect. He doesn't need us for anything. And yet he encourages us and wants us to participate in his plan for salvation. He has made covenants with man. You can read about them all through the scriptures. It's God is relational. He wants us to love him, but he wants us to love him freely of our own will. So we need to learn uh, by our mistakes. We need to grow. We need to be open to God's will in our lives. So one of God's greatest mercies is his gift to us, which is a guardian angel. Now, I started learning about the angels when I was a child, but... Uh, I had a child's understanding of angels until probably about 10 or, or 12 years ago when I went on my very first retreat with a group of people, priests actually, and sisters from the Order of the Holy Cross. It's actually the priests are called Canons Regular of the Holy Cross, and the sisters are the Sisters of the Holy Cross. And they have wonderful retreats. And this group of priests and sisters are kind of the caretakers of a movement that a public association in the church called Opus Sanctorum Angelorum. And what that means is work of the holy angels. So they're, they watch over it. They protect it. They guide it. They make sure that the teaching is good, sound, 
um, doctrinal Catholic teaching. So we have authority from Rome in the letters that the priests have written to be part of our formation program. So everything is above board, which is wonderful. You can put your trust in that because the magisterium of the church is definitely believable. On my first retreat, it was a silent retreat, and I had never been on a silent retreat. How many of you have ever been on a silent retreat before? About half of you. Okay, so you know that a silent retreat doesn't mean that there's no talking. It just means that there's no real talking to your neighbor. But you still talk because you pray out loud and and you sing at Mass and you participate in the liturgy and the other events that are going on, but you don't chat over dinner with your person there. You, you focus inward. You open your heart to what God has to speak to you while you're there. So in the process of all this, I, I didn't know you could be with people for four days and not talk to them. <laughs> what a revelation. And it was, it was delightful because I learned about silence. And silence is so important in your relationship with the angels. And that is something that allows you to hear God speaking to you, not in the sense that you're hearing God's voice, but you hear almost with your heart. It's kind of like as human beings, we have five senses and we experience life through our senses. But when we are in heaven after we die, we don't have our bodies anymore. So we won't experience things through our senses we will experience them through the spiritual realm. And so listening with your heart is kind of like practice for what it's going to be like when you go to heaven. Okay? So in that first retreat, I learned about silence, but I I also learned that I don't have to be away on a retreat in order to have silence. You can find that silence anywhere. You can be in the midst of a huge group of people in a large, noisy place, and you can You can retreat into the silence of your heart. You can whisper a prayer without speaking any words because you can think the words in your head. That's what I mean about silence. And prayer is very important, too, because it ties back into that silence. There's lots of ways to pray. We're not going to get into that tonight. But I want to give you a little bit of history about Opus Angelorum because that's where it all started. Opus Angelorum started in 1949. It wasn't official yet, but it was a small group of people, and it was looked over by a bishop. It started in Innsbruck, Austria, and he kind of guided the direction of this group. And over the years, there were statutes drawn up, there were rules that were followed, there were things that had to be sifted out, and the church had to approve of it. And then, I want to say about 12 years ago, the church approved everything. The final, um, the statutes were finished, All of the, everything was all written up and the formations were set for the consecrations and all of that. And now it has Vatican approval. So it started in 1949 on what was or would be Divine Mercy Sunday. Way back before St. Pope John Paul was a, was a pope or before St. Faustina was a saint, before Divine Mercy ever was. This feast, this whole work of the holy angels began right then. I think that's pretty, um, pretty awesome. It's not a coincidence because now in our day and age, when the world is kind of fallen, going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, this is the time when we really need the help of the angels 
And now is when the church has given us this. What a gift. God always gives us what we need, but he doesn't usually give it to us until we need it. So now when we need these extra graces and this mercy in our time, that's when we have these formal consecrations that the church has approved. There's a lot of information in the marketplace about angels. So the first thing I want to do about that is caution you not to just pick up a book and just start reading if you want the truth. Be careful. Uh, you're going to get a handout at the end of the night that has a website on it for Opus Angelorum, and they have an amazing s- set of resources available. It's online, and you can check out all kinds of things there, get lots of your questions answered. And there's there's retreats, and there's talks, and these priests and sisters are wonderful. The spirituality is phenomenal, and you'll find good, solid Catholic doctrine there. So that's a good place to start. Know, too, that in the Bible, the angels are mentioned over 300 times. So they are important, and we need to learn about them because they're mentioned over 60 times just in one book, in the book of Revelation. So what are angels? People have lots of questions about them. Angels are ministers of God and they're messengers, and they help govern the world. We don't see them. They're invisible. They're pure spirits. According to St. Thomas Aquinas, they are persons, not like we are, sorry, but persons, intelligent beings who were created by God. And they're pure spirits, but they don't have the mortal body that we have. So they're not limited like we are. They're way more smart. They have incredible intelligence. They have a wonderful, uh, powerful, they're, they're huge, powerful beings. And there's nine choirs of them. And if you were to take the angels, and put them, you'd have God, and then you'd have the Blessed Mother, and the saints, and the angels would be in the different choirs, and then all the way down here is man. So we are really low in the intelligence quotient in terms of the spirituality of things. So we need a lot of help, and we get it through the angels. They have their own sense of their will. What they could do at the time that they were created was at the very beginning of time. In the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, it says, And God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So St. Augustine says that when it speaks of that, that is when the angels and all of the spiritual realm was created. In the beginning. So before time began, the angels were all created at once. And there were more angels created than there were people from the beginning of time until the end of time. So all of the angels were created at once, and they weren't created as babies that grew up into big angels. They were just angels. And wherever they were in those nine choirs, it wasn't based on merit. They didn't earn their spot in the top choir or the eighth choir. They were created, and God put them in whatever choir he wanted them to be in. And to imagine how how awesome our God is, he created your guardian angel at the beginning of time. And he created that angel with you in his mind. He knew what attributes that angel would have to have in order to be the very best companion for you for your entire life. And so he created that angel with you in mind. Now that should make you feel 
valued. It should give you a sense of who I am. I am a child of God. Each one of us is a child of God. We are his sons and daughters. And so because he was God and could see what was going to happen to us in our lives, he knew what we needed and he created that for us. So already well before we were ever thought of in in our parents' eyes, God was thinking of us and giving us gifts, planning things he could give to us. Isn't that amazing? So these different uh, angels and their different choirs have different jobs. And it's fun to watch uh, how that unfolds. The very first choir is called the seraphim. And the seraphim is mentioned, they're only mentioned once in all of sacred scripture. It's in chapter 6 of Isaiah. And their name means burning ones. So they're generally thought to be the highest angels of the burning love of God. The second choir of angels is the cherubim, and their name means fullness of knowledge. So these are the angels that are more associated with the word of God. We read about them in Ezekiel, about the four creatures, the ox, the lion, the eagle, and the man. And they correlate to the the cherubim. You can also know that cherubim were guardians of holy places, because in Genesis, after the fall of man, God stationed cherubim with the fiery sword, the fiery revolving sword, so that man could not re-enter into um, Eden. The third choir is the thrones. The thrones are the highest angels of life and stability, and they're said to carry God as on a throne. So these first three choirs make up the first hierarchy of angels, and their main focus is God is adoration of God. They don't interact with human beings on a very regular basis. They're almost completely and totally absorbed in God, in his adoration, in his word, in in the life of God. So the next three uh, angel choirs are the kind of the middle managers. And those consist of the dominions, the powers, and the principalities. These are the semi-contemplative or the semi-active hierarchy. So sometimes they're working with God, sometimes they're working with the lower choir of angels, and sometimes also with mankind. They work in creation. So they have a kind of a dominion or a power or a principality over physical creation. The fourth choir is the dominations, and they kind of fall under the seraphim. So they follow in that stream of grace that would be love. And they transmit the gifts of God to creation. The next choir is the fifth one, and they receive from the cherubim the stream of the word of God, and they defend us against attacks from the devil. So they're kind of like God's police force. The sixth choir is the principalities, and they go from the thrones, receiving the stream of the life of God. So they're stewards of all creation in territories, if you will. The angel of Fatima was a principality because he told them, when he was talking with the children, that he was the angel of Portugal. Well, that would be a principality then because he would be in charge of an area. So there are principalities that are in charge of each parish, in charge of each country, in charge of each state and city and principality. And sometimes there's even principalities over families. So if you were having, for example, in your parish, if there was some kind of a discord or, or some, something not going well where there was a bit of disunity, you could pray to the principality of St. Basil Parish that he would resolve the conflict because he would be over that. 
So you can pray to the um, the principality of the United States of America, or if you have loved ones in another country and you want help, maybe you know something happening in the world that's dangerous to loved ones, you can ask for intercession. You can ask the angels to intercede for you. And principalities are very good at that. All of them are, actually. The lowest hierarchy consists of the virtues, the archangels, and the angels. So the virtues are the white angels that are the ones who control the seasons, the winds, and the material elements. And our Lord works a lot of his miracles through the virtues. They also procure for mankind the supernatural virtues of faith, hope, and love. The eighth choir is the archangels, and these are the great servants and warriors. And scripture tells us the names of three of them. Who can tell me what they are? Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Very good. Yes. So those are the angels that have names. The other angels do not. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. They do have names. It's just that we don't name them. That ninth choir is simply called the angels. And this is where you find most of the guardian angels. Now, some of the other choirs will be have a, a temporary office of being a guardian angel, but most of the guardian angels are from the lowest choir, which is called angels. Sometimes when St. Paul talks about the angels, he talks about them in a negative sense where they sound bad or evil. And that's because in all of the nine choirs, there were some angels who fell, who did not who lost the beatific vision. Angels had to have a trial. And we don't know how they were tried exactly. There's been no dogmatic pronouncements on it from the church. So it's a matter of speculation what their trial was. But when you read Revelation chapter 12, you can get a pretty good idea of some of the things surrounding their trial. For example, um, St. Augustine, I'm going to read this because this is an amazing quote. He says that we are to understand the word heavens to refer to the angels and the word earth to refer to matter. And he goes on to say that when God says, let there be light, he is not speaking of the creation of physical light, but of angels passing the trial and turning to the light of God and becoming light. They underwent a conversion and an illumination. The unfaithful angels, by rejecting the light, then became darkness and night. And God separated the light from the darkness would then not be referring to physical light and darkness, but spiritual light and darkness in the trial of the angels. And this was confirmed as dogma at the Lateran Council in 1215. So the justice of God requires that angels and men both freely chose to follow or serve God. So we know that their trial had something to do with that. And we have in scripture, St. Michael, the archangel saying his famous line of um, who is like God. It's a call to, to pull whoever's focused on serving God to come to join him in this battle that's in at the time, it's in the heavens. So partly we think that the trial had to do with the angels coming to some knowledge that God would ask him them to serve him, which is not an, out of the ordinary. That's what they do all the time. 
but they may have received some kind of an inkling that God was going to become a man and that he was going to redeem man by um, his suffering and death on the cross. So we don't know for sure about that, but remember how I said it started with God and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and then the Blessed Mother and the angels and saints, and then all the way down here is man. So the angels might, they would not have understood why in the world would God, the creator of the entire universe, want to go down to earth and become a man? It makes no sense. Why wouldn't he want to become one of us? We're, we're powerful. We have all these great things we can do in this amazing power. Why, wouldn't, why would he not want to do that? So this is an amazing thing for the angels, totally incomprehensible for them. So for them to believe that they could serve God as a man would have taken a great grace, would have taken a, a, fit, a, a decision on their part. Can I serve God if he's all the way down here as a man? Or what about this? God was going to become food for man in the Holy Eucharist. Can you imagine they would have to serve God as food of man? And the angels were so much more powerful and more, more intelligent. It just didn't make any sense to them. So there was a rebellion. We don't understand all about it, but we know that one-third of the angels were cast out of heaven, and they were cast down to earth. That's why they're here with us now. They don't, uh, they don't create all the havoc on the earth. We create some of that all on our own. But two-thirds of the angels did pass the trial, and they did, they're, they're also here to help us. Not because they were thrown out of heaven, but because they go ascending and descending, up and down, constantly. They're helping God. They're, they're his ministers. They're doing what God wills. Some of the angels would become experts in temptations, the fallen ones, that would relate to the reason why they fell. So, for example, we have teachings in the church about the Blessed Mother. Well, God was going to be born of a woman. And if the angel fell because he couldn't accept that he would serve God who was born of a woman, then his temptations, when he tempts people, may have a, a slant towards fighting against the doctrine of the church about Mary. See what I mean? So the same kinds of things would happen about the Holy Eucharist. When people have doubts that this is really, truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, that could be a temptation from a, an angel who struggled and fell because he could not serve God as food for man. So we don't know all of this as a fact, but it's not in any contradiction to what the church teaches. So we can believe it. We're not required to believe that. The Catechism number 393 tells us that it's the irrevocable character of their choice and not a defect in the infinite divine mercy that makes the angels' sin unforgivable. <coughs> so there's no repentance for angels after their fall, just like there's no repentance for man after we die. Angels had a trial. And they passed it or they failed. Once that was over, it was over. So the fallen angels could never go back to heaven. They could never serve God again. And the holy angels could never go to hell or they could never um, cross that chasm between the evil and the good. So they would always be with God or they would always not be with God. So when we die, it's the same thing. Our trial happens throughout our life because we don't have the intelligence of the angels. We need more time. God blesses us with more opportunities for grace, more opportunities to be, to learn, to love, to grow in our relationship with him. So while we're here, 
is, is our trial. We are choosing whether we're going to serve God or not serve God, serve his will or follow our own will. After we die, it's over. There is no, there's no more changing. There's no more chances. Once you're dead, it's over. So the Lord gave those holy angels charge over us. The battle for our souls is raging. It's, it's going on all around us. We just can't see it because it's in the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. The battlefield simply shifted from heaven to earth. But whoever fights for God will always have their faithful angel enlightened by grace at his side to assist him and lead him to victory. Before I learned about the holy angels, I used to think that I was all that. You know, I did this, I did that, I could do this, I could do that. God blessed me with lots of, lots of gifts and lots of talents. And so I, I had lots of opportunities to even improve and to grow. And I thought that I was doing that. I was working so hard at it. It was me. I did that. And I was so wrong because it isn't me. It's God. It's his grace that works through me. Because I say yes to what God's will is, then God can use me to accomplish his will. And he's the one who does it. I don't do it. None of us do. To think that we have control over anything is an illusion. Because we don't have control over anything. It's up to God whether we even have our next breath coming out of our our mouths. So I learned a lot in this whole process about the angels and understanding about God... um, being in charge and God taking control of everything, it helped me put into perspective who God is and who I am. St. Catherine of Siena says it very well when she says, God is who is, and I am who am not. So uh, I don't need to worry about anything. If God's going to give me a task to do or something, a challenge, something I'm not comfortable with, I can be afraid and I can still do it if, if I say yes, that I would go ahead and do it. But it's not me. I'll give you an example. Uh, about three years ago, I was at work, and Father came downstairs and told me that he knew what the next thing for me was. And I said, okay, we'd been talking about this for a couple of months, and I knew God was calling me to something, but I didn't know yet what it was. He said, I know what it is. I know what the next thing is. And I just looked at him like, okay, so are you going to tell me? And he said, yes. He goes, you are supposed to lead a retreat for all the women of Summit County. <laughs> I, I looked at him and thought, I'm like, what? Why? Who? I, I can't do that. And he said, no, no, you're supposed to do this. I just got it from God in prayer. I know it. You're supposed to do it. And I said, okay, Father, I'll pray about it. And and I did. And I stood there for a few moments after he left, and I started thinking about this. Well, why would anybody come? I'm not a speaker. I, I, I haven't written any books. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. All of Summit County, what, is he crazy? And then I stopped for a minute, and I thought to myself, okay, Why am I thinking these thoughts? What's behind this? What is the voice? Oh, I might fail. I might put in a whole lot of effort. I might put my whole heart and soul in this, and no one shows up. And then I started to cry because I realized that that was pride. And if this was really God asking me to do this, then it wasn't up to me to do it. All I had to do was say yes, 
He would bring the people. He would arrange for all the stuff to happen. He would put the things together that needed to come together. And so I said, yes. Okay, Lord, if this is you, I'll, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to do this, whatever you say. And about six months later, we had a retreat for, we invited the women of Summit County and Kaga County and all in the whole diocese. We had 240 women from 39 different parishes represented at that first women's retreat. Go figure. And now I'm giving talks. <laughs> so uh, I was afraid. Yes, I felt the fear and went into it anyway, because after I had prayed and Father had prayed, it was discerned that this is what I was supposed to do. So this is a process you learn, and the more you do it, the better you get at it. And so you're going to practice, and you're going to need to learn how to work with your guardian angel. You each were given a mission. Every single one of you were created by God with a specific and unique mission that he intended for you to complete. Do you all know what your mission is? Have you figured it out yet? Sometimes it takes a lifetime to figure that out. It's okay. But he gave you an angel to guide you and direct you and lead you through this process of discerning your mission, figuring it out. What is it that God wants me to do? Why did he create me? So St. Jerome tells us that ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. So one way we can learn about what our mission is, is to pay attention to the scriptures how many of you, well, I won't ask that, never mind. <laughs> when we go to Mass and we hear the Word of God proclaimed from the Ambo, how, in your own mind, how often is it that you think the, the reading is over and already you're like, oh, what did they just say? What book was that from? Oh my gosh, I didn't hear a word they said. It happens to us all the time. What, what if you went to Mass Five minutes before it started, instead of zipping in at the last second, you have a minute to catch your breath. Then you have a minute to get settled in your seat. Then you have another minute to close your eyes and whisper a silent prayer. Lord, I know you want me here. You've got a message for me in your word. Tell me today. Let me hear what it is that you want to tell me. Tell me, I want to know what you want to say to me today. So guardian angel, help me hear God's word for me when it's proclaimed from the ambo today. What a neat habit to start. You're going to find the scriptures start to come to life for you. You're going to start hearing things that you didn't hear before because Satan is really good at snatching that seed away. And if you don't ask that help of your angel, your angel's not as able to help you. He cannot interfere with your free will. He has to cooperate with your free will. God says, yes, guide them, direct them, lead them. But they have to tell you that it's okay. They have to give you their permission. They can do some things outside of that, of course, but they can be so much more effective if you invite them to help you. So that happens with prayer. And the key to treasures of God's help is prayer. The angels love prayer. They're full of surrendering love. Everything they do is in God's will. The holy angels are here and they do what they do because they're serving God. This is what they do. And he has given you one of those angels to guide you and direct you. So 
Why would you not want to utilize their help? They're here for you. Utilize their help. We're going to talk about how in a little bit. We're going to deviate just for a minute and talk about the names. I mentioned earlier St. Michael, St. Raphael, and St. Gabriel. Pope Benedict pointed out that all three of these names end with E-L, and that is another name for God. So God actually gave them those names, and he inscribed his name in their name. Now, every angel is unique. They are so unique that every single angel is its own species. All of mankind is one species, just one. And every single angel, and there's more of them than there ever was or will be of people, every one of them is its own species. They have common things, but they're still their own species. And every single angel represents one attribute of God. Isn't that something? Imagine how amazing God is if every single angel represents one attribute of him. That's incredible. So the angels' names all have meaning, and God gave each one of them a name. Because God has charge over them, he can name them. When God created the heavens and the earth, and then Adam was created, and God gave him dominion over the creatures and the the things of the earth, God allowed Adam to name them because he gave him dominion over them. Therefore, he was over charge of them. The angels are... God has dominion over them. We don't. Darn, I forget about the mic. (laughs) Anyway, we don't have any charge over the angels. So we have no right to name them. It's kind of like this. When you're an infant, when you're born, your parents give you a name. You are given to your parents and they are responsible for taking care of you and raising you and protecting you. So they have charge over you. They name you. You wouldn't call your parents by their given name. You would call them mother. You would call them father. That's why you would call your angel, the guardi- your guardian angel or your guardian. So you don't name them. In fact, the, popular, the directory on popular piety and liturgy, number 217, discourages us from doing that for those same reasons. So recognizing the jobs that the angels have, correlating to the attributes of God and where everything all fits together, It says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So what does this really mean? Are angels sent to serve us? Yes and no. The angels belong to Christ, as I mentioned before, because he's the one who created them, and they were created through him and for him. And Colossians 1.16 says, For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He made the angels messengers of his saving plan. He even sent an angel to Mary to deliver his plan for the incarnation. Sometimes people kind of get a little stuck when they think about praying or asking intercession of angels. Why would I pray to an angel when I can go straight to God? Or I could go right to the Holy Spirit? Or I could go right to the Blessed Mother? Well, did you ever stop to think how your words got to God? An angel took them. Okay? They are his messengers. And your angel is, is 
with you all the time. So he takes your messages to God. He does, God uses his angels to communicate to us. The greatest message of all time was that God was going to be born of a woman and he was going to come to earth. And he sent an angel to the blessed mother to ask her. He didn't come directly to her himself, although he could have. He's the boss. He uses the angels as his ministers to go back and forth. So that helps me understand a little bit about it. But there's another part of it, too, because sometimes we have that tender part in us that has a special relationship, a special devotion, maybe to the Blessed Mother or to the Holy Trinity or to God, the Spirit, God, the Son, whichever one of the three persons. So... They don't get angry or frustrated when we go to one and we don't go to the other. It's like people think things differently than God does. So if I went to the Blessed Mother, when I usually went to the Holy Spirit, the Blessed or the Holy Spirit isn't going to say, I can't believe she's talking to her and not to me. (laughs) No, they work together. There's no animosity at all in the different levels of the angels and saints. They are completely in union with God. And God created the angels to be interdependent with us. We are supposed to work together with the angels. I have a, it's, I'll find it. There's something in the, our catechism that says that God created us with the interdependence. He never intended us to go it on our own. Never. When I mentioned before about um, thinking I could do this and I could do that and this and that, that's all me. But what about when you're stuck? This person has this gift, this person has that gift, and this person has this gift, and they were all intended to work together. No man is an island. We all work together, and the angels work interdependently with us, so we can call on them to help us anytime for any reason. We should never, ever, ever fear of asking the angels for help. So how do we ask? How do we know? How do we hear? All those questions that go around with that. We need to train ourselves how to listen and how to lovingly obey. And we do that largely with silence. When our hearts and minds are filled with disorder, noise, racing thoughts, we really can't perceive a whole lot else. There's too much craziness going on. Well, many times we turn on the radio or the television in the background just to have noise going. If you turn the sound off, just soak in the silence for a moment. Even if it's just for 10 seconds to take a couple of deep breaths, you can just breathe in and breathe with the Holy Spirit and ask for help on your breath out or your breath in. Or help me hear you. Or just a a short little prayer, short little ejaculation. It's a wonderful thing to do. Remember in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah could only hear the Lord in the tiny whispering sound? He didn't hear the Lord's voice in the thunder and all the crazy loud stuff and the crashing. He heard it in the tiny whispering voice. And that's where you will most often hear. Sometimes God will hit you up the side of the head with a baseball bat. But for the most part, it's just going to be those quiet little whisperings. So he speaks to us through his word. We take that in by listening or reading. But he also speaks to us in our heart, especially after Holy Communion. He's physically present in your body right after you've received Jesus in the the sacrament of Holy Communion. 
So you want to take a, take time, reflect, know that he's with you. You don't have to think about doing anything. You can just bask in the fact that God is in you. He loves you and he wants to help you and he is there to help you to grow in your relationship with him, to, to get to know him better and to love him more. Now, experience and practice is going to help you learn to distinguish the voice because sometimes that voice you hear is yourself and sometimes it's, and it's, uh, you're being tempted in some fashion. And other times it really is God's will, the, the voice you're hearing. So you're going to need to practice. Don't expect to get it right all the time and don't expect it to get it right right off the bat. Just keep practicing. Pay attention to the self-talk that's going on. Like I gave the example of what I felt when Father told me I was going to speak and I was going to lead this retreat for all these women. Those thoughts that went through my head. Watch that. When you have that conversation going in your head, ask, stop for a minute, just for a minute, and say, okay, what's going on? Because honestly, your guardian angel does not care how difficult whatever task God is giving you is to do. Doesn't matter if it's uncomfortable, doesn't matter if it's painful, doesn't matter if it's hard, doesn't matter at all to him. He knows that no matter what the cost to you, it will be worth it. So listen to him and he will help you. Ask for his help and he will direct you. If you are, the good angels tend to work in the areas of black and white, right, wrong, not the gray. Okay, if you find yourself in a situation where you are wondering, okay, so I know I can't do that because that would be wrong, but I I could do this, right? That's okay. When you find yourself in that gray area, how far can I go before it's an I fell? That's not of God. That is not your guardian angel. That is not your, your well-formed conscience. Okay. That's either you because you want something so badly that you don't care about what God's will is at that moment, or you could be tempted, being tempted. So know that the holy angels are going to, to work in the black and white. So that's a hint for you. If you are fearful and you ask yourself why, and pride comes up, then it's not your angel. If it's fearful because of legitimate reasons, it's dangerous or something along that line, that's a whole different ballgame. So pay attention. Listen to those words, those conversations that go on in your head. And the more you listen to them, the better you will get at it. And don't be afraid to ask. Ask your guardian angel to help you make the right decision, make the right choice, discern this, discern that, whatever it is. For example, in the morning, it has become my habit to spend an hour in prayer before I get busy with my day, before I head off to work. So I rise very early in the morning because it's difficult to find an hour unless I'm up super early. I'm tempted sometimes not to get up, to hit the snooze. But I have a moment. It's my heroic moment each day when the alarm goes off if I just whisper my morning prayer and then I jump out of bed then I can go and I can have that special time in the morning with God for an hour and just listen. I can pray. I can read the scriptures. I can focus on the readings of the day. There's so many options for how I can spend that time. And I can ask God, what does he want me to do today? And I make out my list. And as I make out my list of what I plan to do or what I think is what I'm going to do that day, 
If I forget to ask my guardian angel to show me, to, to redirect me, if I do, if I'm going down the wrong direction, if God wants me to do this instead of that, well, you better grab my hand because I'm going to need your help. If I forget to do that, my day does not go nearly as well. I run into obstacles all over the place. I get frustrated. I get irritated. I get impatient. I'm much more prone to sin. And if I ask for my guardian angel's help that day, then he directs me throughout the day. He helps me make the better choices. He helps me to choose what's going to take me and bring me closer to God and what God wants me to do that day. So you just focus on one day at a time. I don't go months and weeks ahead. Of course, you're going to plan things, but you live in the moment. You live for today because this is all you have is the moment that you're in today right now. So it's a habit. It's something that I've developed in the past few years. My husband is um, absolutely incredible. We were redoing, and my I had an office. I had a business at home that I ran for over 20 years, and we, I was dissolving it. And I wanted a place in my house where I could pray. And I asked him if I could just have a corner. Could we just fix up a corner somewhere where I could have a place where I could go and pray. And he said, we're redoing the room. Why don't you take the whole room? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! So that was awesome. So now it's, a, it's my habit. I, I go there every day and enjoy that time. And, and I recommend that for all of you. Sometimes it, there's a season and a time in your life and it just doesn't work. And, you know, for you, it wouldn't maybe not work in the morning. And maybe you only have five minutes. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you just want to open your heart to God's will for you right now, today, in this moment. Now, we can call upon our guardian angel for all kinds of things, whether they're important decisions, whether they're um, the simple things like, where did I set my phone? Have you seen my phone? How many times have you done that? Or set your keys down somewhere. Your guardian angel is with you every moment of the day. If, if you live with someone you see, you would ask them where you put it because they might have seen it. So just ask and then listen. And oftentimes you're going to go right to it. Oh, now I remember that little thing you hear in your head. That could be your guardian angel telling you. He speaks into your heart and he also speaks. He affects your memory and he affects your, intelli- or your intellect. So when you are trying to remember something and you can't, ask your guardian angel. And all of a sudden it pops in your head. Maybe not every time, but a whole lot more often than if you don't ask. Same thing with when you are struggling to grasp something. I know if I'm going to go to a conference and I, I'm going to love the speaker, whatever it is they're going to talk about, I want to know that I can grab onto that information and hold onto it. I will ask my guardian angel to help me remember and retain the information that I'm hearing at this talk or at this retreat or this whatever. And I do remember it better. And then if I don't remember it then, like immediately, when I need to recall it, he will remind me. He will pull that up out of my memory. And oh, yeah, it's so wonderful. Being able to work with them is incredibly helpful. There is a, uh, a, a thought. People wonder, can I pray to someone else's guardian angel? Yes, you can. You can't be with your loved ones all the time. They're going to be 
doing things. Your angel is the only one that can be with you all the time. So no one else can be with you all the time. So if you have children or grandchildren or sisters or brothers or friends or whoever in your life that needs protection, you know they're in danger. It could be a, a moral danger. It could be a physical danger. Send your angel to theirs. Ask your angel to work with their angel and protect them. Keep them safe. You can work so many different things out with angels. If you have a meeting and you're nervous about this, this meeting because there's, there, you two always hit heads. And so you don't want there to be conflict. You can ask the guardian angel, ask their guardian angel to help you find common ground. Help you find that place where you can meet and talk without conflict. If you're going into a room and you're going to see somebody that you just don't like, and I know we all have those people in our lives that we're just not that crazy about being around, we can greet their angel instead of them. When we look at them, we can greet their angel. We can say hello and smile. Wouldn't that be a novel thing to do? And then you can find peace. You can begin to resolve conflicts. You can work together in all sorts of situations. Never, ever, ever fear asking your angel for help. He cannot lead you astray. Your guardian angel cannot do anything outside of the will of God. So he needs your help to work together because he can do that with you, but you need to work with him. The church has, in its wisdom, devised or come up with this wonderful program called A Consecration to Your Guardian Angel. There's a a book. I think I have one here. It looks like this. There's 12 letters in the book. It takes 12 months to go through this. So you read one letter each month. And you, at the end of each letter, are a few scriptures maybe, or some prayers, or things to look up in the catechism, things that will help you lock in the learning that was in the chapter or the letter that you read. And then you you read it again. You do it a few times. You pray with it for a whole month. And then you go on to the next one, and the next one. And you do that for 12 months. And after those 12 months are done, you can apply for a consecration to your guardian angel. And those wonderful priests from Opus Angelorum, well, they offer retreats in our area. They have, there's one actually coming up, two coming up, one in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, and one in uh, Green, Portage Lakes area, in November. So they offer retreats at different places throughout the country. You can make your consecration there. They also have something called First Saturday Devotions where they do what the Blessed Mother requested at Fatima for, uh, they, they started it in their 100th anniversary of Fatima, and it was so successful that they continued, the priests and sisters continued it, and they still do it. So now every first Saturday of the month, you can go to their monastery. It's not that far. It's only in Carrollton, Ohio. And they will have mass and confessions and the rosary and devotions. And then after it's over, you get a covered dish dinner. You all bring something and share. And then you get to sit with the priests and the sisters and get to know them, get to understand a little bit more about the holy angels and about their order and what they do. And at that mass, you can make your consecration. So at St. Francis de Sales, I started this about two years ago, we meet once a month and we do a discussion on one of the letters. And then 
each month the letter changes and we go to the next one. And then one of the priests from Opus Angelorum has come to our parish each year, once a year, and has a special mass at our parish. And all the people that have finished their year of formation can make their consecration. And we just did that on October 2nd at the Feast of, of the Guardian Angels. And 10 people made their formal consecration to their guardian angel. So I'll have you an opportunity for you to do that in a little bit. If you're interested, I do not have enough books for all of you tonight. So I have applications because you must apply for this. You would fill out the front side. That's the application. And then when you give me the application, if until I run out, I will give you books. But I also need to take your picture because they attach your picture to the application. And then there is um, a donation, a recommended donation of $20. If you are able to contribute, that helps defray the cost of the books. If you don't get a book tonight and you want one, I have sign-up sheets over on the side where you can record me some information, and I'll get in touch with you, and we'll make it happen. So I want to close with a quote from Scripture. This is one of my favorites. It's Exodus 23, verses 20 to 22. See, I am sending an angel before you to guard you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Be attentive to him and heed his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not forgive your sin. My authority resides in him. If you heed his voice and carry out all I tell you, I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. What a promise. When that was written in Exodus, it was actually God giving it to the Israelites, but the church has taken that scripture and and turned it into this is what he's speaking to us today. So I want to thank you all for being here tonight. I'm so grateful that you came. Thank you again, Father John. Thank you, Margaret, for inviting me to come and speak. And for Jane, I'm not sure where Jane is. There you are. Who made it, who started the whole thing. So thank you. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.